we meet each other at the park. I've met so many people there now. So I went from being the only person now to uh, one of many. <laughs> and uh, the galley's really helped make that happen. People feel comfortable going there. They, they enjoy it, actually. It really just made people connect. Hello, and welcome to Shared Space, a podcast about the power of architecture and design to make us healthier, happier, and more connected. I'm your host, Erin Peavy, and I'm so glad that you're here with us. I was reading the story in the Dallas Morning News, and I was like, this is so cool. This is just the type of thing that I focus on. And I just had a million and one questions and just wanted to to ask them. Um, I thought that I'd start with seeing if both of you could introduce yourselves, maybe say a few words about who you are and um, your role in the project and sort of how you got involved. Judy, do you want to go first? Okay, I'll be glad to. I'm Judy Sullivan. I am a member of Cochrane Heights Neighborhood Association and uh, have lived in the neighborhood 40 plus years and um, have been able to be part of the neighborhood from its uh, organization from its inception. I got involved in this project because I just decided to go to one of the city of Dallas workshops one afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I learned about the neighborhood vitality grant and uh, went to the neighborhood association yeah. and said, I'd really like to write a grant if you all would agree. And they were all on board. So that's how it got started. So cool. Meg, say a little bit about your background and how you got involved. So my name is Meg Machetto. And I've been living here in Cochrane Heights for just over 10 years and um, love the location and the neighborhood and the people that, that uh, live here. And um, I got very involved in the neighborhood association. It's a great way to meet people and to uh, you know, make a difference in the neighborhood. And so when, you know, during the day, um, my day job is I work for AT&T and I do technology development and lead the team that uh, develops products. Um, so that's my day job. I've noticed, um, and I'd be, you know, kind of curious your own experience, but is that a lot of times people don't even notice that the physical space, um, you know, changes or impacts them. And I was wondering what made you believe that this change in physical space could help to, you know, foster connection and change behavior? Well, like I said, when, when I first, uh, got the idea for this it was from working in my own alley because Mm -hmm. I had a lot of problems with oh our electric our power would go out all the time and when the city stopped picking up trash and when they stopped doing that because the trucks got too big then people quit going there and it it just deteriorated and it got Mm -hmm. to be a real problem not only overgrowth but crime and all kinds of things happen in the alley <laughs> and and it wasn't anybody's fault it's just like you said people don't really notice it yeah totally a lot of people just quit having gates even to the alley anymore so it just got a and I just started doing it because when I retired I needed a project <laughs> and so I thought well I'll just start cleaning up the alley and little by little it um uh, 
it got cleaner and I then my goal got to be the whole alley and I, I did that and and then the connection I made with my neighbors was really good mm-hmm. and the connection I made with just nature was really good because I began to see potential in the alley that we started an herb garden we put a little elk village behind it and um and and at first I worried oh it'll be destroyed well it didn't it just got kept getting better and people kept adding to the alley and that kind of thing and so when the city had this uh opportunity Mm -hmm. my first idea was to you know do something with all of the alleys in the neighborhood and they talked me down (laughs) (laughs) you got to get everybody's permission and you've got to do this, that, and the other. And they suggested this small alley mm-hmm. that leads into Cochrane Park. And I thought, what a great idea. First of all, we needed everyone's permission. So I connected with all those neighbors and mm-hmm. they volunteered to go get permissions from the people they knew. And is it when you say everyone, like who is everyone? Everyone on the air of that alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. And at that time, it was just the four houses on our side of, because that was a boundary of our neighborhood association at the mm-hmm. time. On that park side, there are just four houses. I didn't really know, but one of the people and she volunteered, Janet Copeland volunteered to go and get the permissions from all the neighbors. And um, on the, the uh, east side of the alley is a condominium that was pretty much, it's pretty hard to access it because it's got a, it's gated and, and I didn't know anybody there. And little by little, we got connections made there that uh, we met the people in the condos. We met the people who were all on mission that I didn't know and mm-hmm. other neighbors who would help call contractors and get bids and find out how much it was going to cost. And that kind of thing. Wow. So little by little, we just got a lot of enthusiasm built about it. Not only were the immediate neighbors interested, but the other neighbors that were on mm-hmm. uh, Garrett Street in Manette that really weren't part of our neighborhood decided that they wanted to be part of it now. So we annexed them into our neighborhood association. Oh, I love it. So it really was a, a true connection there. Wow, that is so cool. That is so cool. So like, how long would you say that process was from sort of, there's this idea of generation or genesis, and then getting all those signatures and starting to really start to like put this in? And was like, did you have to have all those signatures just to write the grant or? Yeah. 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 And um, we, it was really pretty fast process right then because uh, I think I went to the, the meeting in late October. It was one of the last meetings they had on this project, on this grant process. And the grant was due December 4th. So we basically had about a month oh, to wow. get it all together. And it was very difficult to get contractors to meet and give bids. And, and it, I was kind of unsure of the process, and but the city was fabulous about giving us um, information or ideas or connecting us with other neighborhoods and 
oh, that's helps, awesome. uh, getting other people in the planning department of the city to come out and look and see what they thought. And it was really a, a good process because that was another connection that we got connected with the city and we got to know mm -hmm. a lot of the people in the city and how they were really concerned in, about the heat island effect of the city, yeah. that, that this was one way that they were wanting to um, help mitigate that and with more planting and getting neighborhoods and community efforts involved. That's so amazing. So all of this, like the genesis was just you going to a city meeting. Is that right? Yeah. And it was a fabulous meeting. I what mean, took you to that meeting? Why were you there? Well, I just, I was retired. I was, had been on the board of the neighborhood association in the past, but that was one thing I decided that I had done that quite a bit and I thought it was time to get new blood in. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, well, then I can get really involved in some projects. And so I just wanted to find out what, what it was about. Mm. And um, it just grew from there. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause you know, one of the questions I had was sort of like, what gave you the confidence to do this? Um, <laughs> that, was, that was something that was kind of ignorance. <laughs> because once we got into it, um, we realized that it was not going to be such an easy thing because uh, a lot of the bids that we had gotten initially ended up not being nearly right when we mm. finally got awarded the grant and and really got down to brass tacks we found out that we needed to be sure that they were bonded with the right insurance company oh, that wow. um, all these things that we needed to take in consideration and at the same time it was a a time when business was just booming in the landscape, it was really hard to get somebody to even come and give us a bid sometimes. Landscapers were few and far between. Oh my gosh, and, yes. And their their prices kept going up. And so <laughs> finally the city stepped in and through the public works department and everything, we got it worked out so that we, with the initial grant, could get the walkway built. Mm -hmm. we could get apply for another grant to maybe get the plants and so forth done but then which we did and we got awarded that second grant but then COVID happened that kind of put everything on hold but by this time we had a big fundraiser it's our major fundraiser which was our house tour we have a lot of Dillbeck homes in the neighborhood. And for anyone that's not familiar with that, can you say a little bit about what those are? Well, Charles Dillbeck is an iconic Dallas architect mm -hmm. who built storybook kinds of homes that yeah. are really unique and, and uh, the people who have them just love them. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of very large homes all throughout Dallas, but our neighborhood happens to have a concentration, more Dillbeck homes in one small area than any other place in Dallas. Oh wow. And yeah. but they're very small. One of our neighbors, Erica Huddleston, was instrumental in getting a historical marker for the neighborhood Dilbeck homes. Through her, we were able to get Mrs. Dilbeck to come to our ribbon cuttings or whatever you want to call it when we got our marker. And um we found out through her, Charles Dilbeck and Henry Ford had forged a partnership in which 
they wanted to build smaller Dilbeck homes with and put a Ford in every garage, was starting to, to venture into the smaller homes for, for um, people. And, and they'd gotten it all worked out and ready to go. And then World War II happened and Henry Ford's plant got diverted for arms production. So that partnership dissolved. And um, in fact, we just, uh, I don't know, you, you may not know this, Judy, but they, we just got uh, placed into a historical marker database just this past week. Just oh, on our, our website and such. So we're, oh. you know, beyond official now, we're in the historical marker database as well. So, which is a pretty awesome. cool thing. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I feel like for so many people, it's sort of a mystery. Like, how how does one get in there? What do you do? What is you know all of yeah. this process is like? How do we empower people to feel like they can do that? Well, I guess I would add that, um, that I I felt and, and really saw it coming to, to fruition. Uh, one of the meetings that we had with the city early on, where we were all talking about the vision and how this, the uh, pathway could work and things. And as we were standing there meeting with the city, there was multiple people walking through there, even in the muck and, you know, in the, in the <laughs> mess. And, and so, you know, we saw people walking their dogs and then we saw people walking their children to the new the solar El elementary school that's right there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had, we had just voted on annexing this part of the neighborhood uh, and so I saw how, you know, people were using it and, and they would use it even more if it was beautiful and they would really appreciate it. And they do. Uh, the yeah. feedback has been phenomenal. So, you know, when we first had the idea, there was some people that questioned, well, why would you do it there? You yeah. know, it's on the edge of our neighborhood and, you know, not in the middle. Well, it was the ideal location, as, uh, as Judy said, because the, the, um, didn't have a lot of the electrical power and you know um oh, yeah, atmos yeah. lines and things like that so it was a, a good place to start a project like this because it didn't have those um challenges um but it also really brought these other the new part of our neighborhood we annexed and the people that live in the the apartments uh and yeah. they really are active in our in our park now so yeah. it's really connected tell, people. Like, tell me to, more, paint me a picture. Yes, when I first moved here, my granddaughter and daughter lived with me for a while and I would take her to that park and the playground and we would always be the only people there playing mm -hmm. on the playground. Mm -hmm. And now you go and you see groups of children and all kinds of people in the neighborhood walking over there. Um, now you see all kinds of people with their dogs, playing with the dogs. In the morning, I walk every, twice a day and at least twice, not if not three times a day, I walk the neighborhood. Now I see people exercising out there. You'll see, you know, uh, people doing little group exercises with their COVID masks, and mm -hmm. and so it's really just made people connect in in the park between the different neighborhoods and the school. Uh, there's restaurants up there. You know, there's the that mm -hmm. pie tap restaurant and the vet and everything. So it's a way for people to get to location. Um, different locations and we'd meet each other at the park I've met so many people there now so I went from being the only person now to uh, one of many <laughs> and uh, the galley's really helped make that happen people feel comfortable going there they, they enjoy it actually it's more than comfortable and the uh, apartment uh, dwellers love it you yeah. know because they they're confined to their apartments so walking mm -hmm. their dogs through there and not having to go by a roadway 
is yeah. is nice and and that connection to nature is really mm-hmm. important too. I love that, um, you know, I love that you guys had that as this gift and this bridge, um, because to your point, I do think a lot of people are like, you know, let's do this for, for our community and not realizing, okay, but like our community will be enriched by bringing Mm -hmm. in others, by sharing, by, you know, um, Mm -hmm. having that engagement. Right. Right. It's just, to me, it's like this amazing symbol and gift that you guys have have given um, both to yourselves and, and to the broader community. Right. And it sparked so many more ideas. Like, uh, you know, M- Emily Giron now is working with the parks to get the park updated and um, enhanced. We have the pollinator garden there. And we've already had more events there, getting it prepped uh, with mulch and the, and the backboard for the tennis courts so there and they're looking at water fountains so we're getting enhancements to the park as well I and it. some uh, I don't know if you know this Judy but some other people have talked about how do we clean some of these other alleys maybe not as ambitious as this one <laughs> but, even, <laughs> but even just cleaning it up because uh, Judy might be modest here but she would uh, organize the uh, citywide Cleanup, alley cleanup days in the past. Uh, what? Uh, uh, yes, yes. She's Get a out, man. Big time do-gooder. And uh, so we would have the alley cleanup days and, you know, that quickly comes back and grows back and becomes dirty again if people don't, yeah. um, you know, keep it up. So I've heard some people talking about, well, how do we do clean this? Just clean it up, right? It doesn't have to be as beautiful as this one. So it sparked some people talking about that. And if, if that, you know, hopefully that'll go somewhere. And uh, it's uh, funny too, at the uh, same time that we were doing this, um, we were, we had some crime happen over on Milam street and, and it turns out that the criminals came through the alley Mm -hmm. to break in and, and it's, so it's, it kind of said, well, you know, if we clean up the alleys, Mm -hmm. it can be seen. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, a lot of times the brush and everything is so overgrown, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a, a good place to hide. And Judy, that's such an amazing example of like what we talk about a lot of times around how, you know, designing for safety does not mean, you know, designing walls and designing people out. A lot of times it means mm-hmm. designing exactly like you guys did, where everybody's eyes are on it. And it's just that natural <laughs> defense. Mm-hmm. So good. So that's, true. That's one one thing I found in my own alley that the uh, between Alcott and Homer that the cleaner it got, the more people seemed to care, hmm. and the less crime we had. And mm-hmm. and like our alley is one of we very very rarely have any crime between our our block. Yeah. And um, so that's wonderful. And, and like so, I said, the little kids will add to it or play back there where they didn't ever even dare go back there before. It's so, inviting now. You see the little fairy houses and things. And so I, I walked down there with my dog wait, even. And what are fairy me. houses? Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> like, I, yeah, share with me some stories. Like maybe if you could each share with me maybe like two stories of what, how it's being used. Like what's our stories of like social connection that are occurring and what's what are some of the attributes that you think are bringing people in or that are kind of unique and I guess for me it is it's just inviting now I I think you said that being open you feel comfortable 
and it's somewhere more interesting to to walk if you're walking every day a little different and it just feels inviting hey come on down here and walk and i feel safe and now you can see people are taking care of things and uh, one of our neighbors arlene is put these little fairy houses up i don't know the whole history there you probably do, Judy. But it's just funny when my granddaughter was living with me too, we'd go by and she'd look at them, want to play with them and stuff. And um, and then there's the herbs and, and the dogs. You get to know the dogs in the backyards and <laughs> through the fences Aww. and things. So, um, you know, we would just, we would just walk down there. And, and so again, it's that open um, in, invitation. Hey, we're cl it's clean. You know, we're good. You can walk here and yeah. there's something interesting to look at. And one of the interesting things about the alley that was our alley project, mm -hmm. um, it used to be a place where gangs hit out and they would actually steal cars and go back there to break them down, oh, wow. leave the parts. And it was also a place where contractors would just dump uh, mm. debris. Mm -mm -mm. And, um, so, uh, and, and ne people never went down it. Yeah, because it was dangerous. It was it was hard to walk on. It was mm -hmm. hard. To, um, it it usually had after a rain, it would be a bog, and uh, a area to breed mosquitoes and things like that. So, and now it's just really it's so pleasant. I mean, yeah, I think I I like to do physical work because I I don't like to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a project and so this has been wonderful for me during covid because i had a place to go where i could just kind of work and weed and um, that. Uh, that kind of thing but the um the best thing has been just to hear people's comments about oh this is so pretty it looks like the yellow brick road it's Aww. it makes my day to walk down this and um, that kind of thing. It's just, it's been really fun. And I will say one of the things that I hear when you guys speak is like the sense of, of belonging, of belonging to a larger place and of being welcome. And I think like, oh, if, if we could all feel more like that in our neighborhoods, mm -hmm. what a powerful force that would be. I was wondering when you think of sort of other other people and problems, what advice do you have for people who see the problems and the opportunities in their communities? What, what do you think, you know, what's your advice to them? I have a lot of people that contact me about problems in the neighborhood, you know, as the president. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. and I'd say the first thing is to, to seek out to talk to somebody. Just reach out. You, you know, it's a two-way. I can't do anything if I don't know about it. And it's up to you to take that step, take that first step and just reach out. Somebody just moved in the neighborhood, reached out to me the other day. They were having an Airbnb kind of challenge. And um, we got to talking and you know, feel like she's one of my good friends now already. <laughs> and she's, uh, you know, I could pass on information. It took me no yeah. time at all to tell her how to deal with these situations and, you know, what to do with the next steps and things. And, and she was feeling really lonely and frustrated and but she said hey I got this newsletter let me reach out to somebody and she's been a lot better she's trying to get connected in and you know connect yeah. with other people in the neighborhood um you know they have similar challenges and so I was able to tell her some folks to talk to mm -hmm. so um first step is uh, if you see something 
say something and, you know, reach out. doesn't mean you have to do all the work and maybe other people willing. Yeah. Well, there always are people willing. And that's the, mm-hmm. that's the thing I found out. And I was demoralized several times. Like I started <laughs> about the Dillbeck homes and we had our Dillbeck home tour, which was to be our big fundraiser. And we had a torrential rain that day. Oh. And um, we had only had it for the one day. And so we didn't make the budget we had hoped we would. So yeah. I was thinking, oh, what are we going to do now? You know, and the only thing to do is just to put one foot forward at a time, mm-hmm. little by little. Mm-hmm. Uh, people came through with another donation or people came through with, um, we had a, a brick buying thing and, um, and, little by little things kept coming in a lot of times I'm just saying myself well I'm just gonna do the next phone call or the next thing and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it usually worked (laughs) (laughs) well I um totally appreciate you guys time this has been too pleasurable. And I have, I can't wait to see the space. Um, and I hope at some point, um, get to meet you guys in person. Um, this has just been a delight and I can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of shared space. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe wherever you're listening and head on over to Apple to give us a review. It really helps to spread the word and we really appreciate it. I hope that your day is filled with honest emotion, kindness, and connection. Thanks so much and take care.